chapter 11. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 11. Okay. Um, Luke chapter 11. I'm going to read verses 1 to 4. We're going to be focusing. So this is part 2. Uh, just uh, for you guys to uh, reminder, I know not everyone was here last week. Um, what we've been looking at for the last few weeks, we've been looking at the topic of uh, what does the Bible says about prayer? Uh, okay. Uh, what does the Bible have to say about the topic of prayer? And last week, we just looked at the part of the Bible called Luke chapter 11. Okay. Uh, Luke is the one of the the Bible has 66 books one of them is the book of Luke and what makes Luke unique is that it focused on the human life of Jesus when he was walking around with his ministry his miracles and all that he was doing and also his death uh, also as well in resurrection so in Luke chapter 11 uh, we've been looking at Jesus teaching how to pray okay uh, we've been looking at Jesus how to uh, pray uh, I'm just going to read Luke chapter 11 uh, verses 1 to 4, just for way of context, but we're going to be focusing mainly today um, on the second half of this passage from verses uh, 2, uh, second half to verses 4, okay? Uh, Luke chapter 11, uh, verses two, uh, 1 to 4, we'll read for the sake of context first, okay? Uh, the version I use is the New American Standard Bible. Uh, it happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone who is in debt to us. And lead us not into temptation. And I thought this is important uh, to look at because... Um, uh, even as I mentioned every week, right, um, well, from Google search engine, you see that the word pray and prayer has actually dramatically increased since this time of coronavirus. Um, and I think it's appropriate, even as we're, as the rest of the world, uh, I mean, the volume, if you look at it, it's pretty amazing. It's not, you know, I've been saying it's a curve. It's actually not even a curve. It's almost like, and then boom, it just shoots up really high incline. Like if it was a mountain, man, that was a, that would be a really steep um, climb okay so in light of this I think it's important to say what how, what does the Bible have to uh, teach us about how to pray to God okay um, this part here this is Jesus Christ teaching um, how to pray uh, last week we saw the importance of for instance of praying with others there's a role of praying with others um, we saw the importance um, of even how Jesus is teaching his disciples pray and that the other people as you see earlier John the Baptist who's a prophet who pointed people to Jesus. He's also teaching his followers to pray. So therefore, now Jesus is teaching his followers. They're saying, hey, they're noticing in verses 1, they're noticing that, hey, Jesus, every night, he goes off and pray. Every morning, uh, when before anyone else is awake, he's already awake, alone, praying to God. And they're just observing that. They're observing him doing miracles, praying to God the Father. And yet, in light of all this, they're like, wow, there's something the way he prays. And I love this because when you look at Luke chapter 11, there's a lot of times Jesus initiate teaching certain subject. But in this instance, it's actually his disciples initiate by asking him the question, as you see in, or not the question, but the, the request in verses 1. Lord, I'm reading here now, teach us to pray, just as John also teach his disciples. Okay, So they're asking him how to pray. Uh, we've looked at uh, verses... Two. Now, I want to uh, tonight. We're going to be looking at this. There's going to be three points in the second half of verses two to verses four. There's three points for tonight's message. If you're organizing, they're kind of like um, 
almost like a, if you ever go to someone's house, right? You put a coat. It's like three little what do you call those things that hang? Coat hangers, okay? Just to kind of hang our thoughts with, okay? Um, so if you're taking notes, the first one is you should pray uh, seeking God first, okay? You should pray seeking God first. This is going to be in verses 2. Um, scholars call it like uh, clause C and clause D. But basically the second half, okay, of verse 2. You should pray seeking God first, okay? This is in verses 2. Uh, second half, verse 2. Um, point number two, you should pray trusting God for your daily needs, okay? Trusting God for your daily needs. This is in verses three, okay? This is in verses three. And number four, uh, uh, point number uh, three, I mean, is you should pray dealing with sin, okay? You should pray dealing with sin, okay? Um, so these are the two, uh, these are the three points, okay? Let me review real quick again, just for those taking notes. Number one, you should pray seeking God first, okay? Number one, you should pray seeking God first. This is in verses two, second half, verse two. Point number two, you should pray uh, trusting uh, God for your daily needs, okay? Trusting God for your daily needs. This is in verses uh, three, okay, verses three. And point number three is you should pray dealing with your sin, okay? Dealing with your sin. This is in verses four, okay? This is in verses four. Um, so in looking at this, oh, whoa. Sorry, my device has just... Okay, so let us now look at the first point, um, is we should pray seeking God first, okay? We should pray seeking God first is our first point, um, okay? Um, so look, if you look at with me in verses 2, notice it goes on, um, it says, Hollow be your name, okay? If you look here, hollow be your name, um, that uh, when we pray... It goes on and says, your kingdom come. I think there's uh, two ways we could pray. I think God hears all our prayer requests, okay? He always hears all our prayer requests. But our heart, uh, we could have a right heart or a wrong heart in how we pray. And I think a right heart in how we pray, what God wants our prayers, I think the first thing we need to do is praying to seek God's first, okay? There's a sense we pray to seek God first. There's a sense where I think we can go to Him, just like tonight we went through various prayer requests for people's health, uh, for people that are sick, okay, um, for all of this, okay. Uh, Wendy, I realized, just realized, we didn't pray for your friend's dad, uh, but we'll pray in the end for that. Is that okay, Wendy? It wasn't intentional. I just totally forgot, okay. So in light of all this is to say that we pray for all those requests, but nevertheless, I think we must also realize when we pray, the first thing we need to do is actually seek God. Uh, because God, prayer is more than like a vending machine. It's not something you go to machine, you want something, you put a few quarters or you do a few shakes, say some few words, and then you get something, okay? Uh, God is more than a genie, okay? Prayer is not rubbing uh, a bottle or, or you know, um, a vessel, and therefore you get your wish after asking after a while. So in the end, prayer, ultimately, I think the first thing we need to realize is actually a relationship with God, Okay. So the first thing in how we pray, as we see here, is you should pray seeking God first. Let's look first in verses 2. You see the word, hollow be your name. Does all your versions say, hollow be your name? If your versions say something else, a little different wording in the English, you could just uh, unmute yourself and just read it out loud um, at this moment, if anything. Okay, if not, uh, we could go on, okay. Uh, hollow be your name. I think for most of us, when we think of hollow, most of us probably think of, uh, again, this is H-A-L-L-O-W, okay? This is not hollow as in like something that's hollow, 
like uh, something that's uh, empty inside. You look at a tree that's not filled with anything. So this is hollow with a H-A-L-L, not H-O-L-L. And I think when we think of hollow, I think most of us, the only reference most of us have to hollow is what? It happens once a year, a holiday on October 31st. What is that called? Hollow, Halloween's, okay? Um, Halloween or Hollow's Eve, okay? The reason why that originally was called, again, I'm going over this just to give us a little bit idea of what does the word hollow mean. Um, the reason why Halloween or is called Hollow's Eve, technically the idea, is because for the Roman Catholic Church back in the day when Europe um, was primarily uh, in the western part of the church was heavily under the system of the Pope and all of that. Back in the day, they used to have a holiday. Actually, they still do. The Catholics still do that today, too. They used to have a holiday on November 1st, okay? November 1st, they call it uh, All Saints, or, or not All Saints, it's Saints Day, okay? It's the day where, you know, the Catholics will have different leaders of the church and examples, and they'll celebrate that. But that one, they celebrate all of them, okay? So before that day you celebrate, what they would have is a day that's called Hallow's Eve, okay? The day before Halloween. And just like the same thing, I think sometimes in maybe a perverted version of Christianity, like for instance, um, before you guys all know Mardi Gras, okay, I don't want to, we want to keep it rated G for godliness though. You guys all know what Mardi Gras, you guys heard of it, right? Ash Wednesday, before that is called what? Fat Tuesday, okay? Again, these are not concepts in the Bible, okay? These are not concepts in the Bible. But for, uh, for that tradition, there'll be like 40 days before we celebrate uh, Resurrection Sunday, there would be Ash Wednesday. Basically, that time is called Lent. You're supposed to be... Again, I'm teaching all this not to say the Bible is to teach it, just to give an understanding uh, of what I'm trying to emphasize the word hollow, okay? What they would do for Roman Catholics is um, before that, and Ash Tuesday or Ash Wednesday, is you begin that season where you're reflecting on God and Christ and all His suffering. But before for that, they felt like, oh, that's the time to celebrate before the holiday, before we have to fast and not eat certain meat and, and do the church things more. So they call it Fat Tuesday. That means you eat a lot and of course it become now with the idea of debauchery, right? Same thing as well with Halloween, Hallow's Eve, right? Then it becomes All Saints Day. So in the same way, when you look with the theme of hollow is the idea of saintly, or holy, okay? So when it says here in verses 3, hollow be your name, we ask the question, what does it mean? We know it's idea of holiness. It's idea of being set apart. So in other words, when we say, the, when we, the first thing we need to pray when we go to God is we want to set God apart as holy. That is, we set Him apart as different. We treat Him as not something that's common, okay? Um, as not something as common or regular, Okay? Um, some of you guys know I was uh, in the military before, okay? Um, there was one time, this story is actually quite similar to Jin's story uh, with a famous general. Um, but for us, it was not the same general. It was another general. It was an army general. He was a one-star general. And he went to where we were at. But when he went, um, he had his, he didn't wear the stars here. His stars was on his bulletproof, uh, uh, what do you call it, the um, flat jacket. But he took it off temporarily because it was so hot when he checked in. So here was this guy walking around among Marines. So we don't know who this guy is. He's in charge of the Army. We're in the Marines. He comes over to us asking for water. And everyone's looking at him. Who's this guy? You're an outsider. And then I remember one of the guys, like our staff sergeant, just said, Who are you? What are you doing over here? And then we 
you know, he kind of stood up and we saw, oh, there's a little star. Like, he has something in the middle here, like a one star. And all of a sudden, all these guys were like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, you can get any water. Here's the cold one. At first, they were just going to give regular just water with just, you know, on ice. And they're like, uh, you know, I remember when some of the Marines were getting nervous. They were going to, they buried it in the sand because it's so hot. They're digging it up because that's where we buried it with uh, uh, socks and water. So it's a little muddy, so it cools it down. And they were giving it to him because they realized, like, we, we, you know, we were just totally treating him like as something common when he's actually the general in charge of the province that oversee where we're at, okay? So I bring it up to say is this. When we say, hallowed be your name, when we say God is set apart, we're not treating God as something that is common, not something that is regular. In other words, when we, let's just say, quote unquote, God manifests himself physically to your room, you, it wouldn't be just like you look, hey, what's up, God? Hey, yo, what's up, dog? It's, it's not like that. It's, it's, he's God, okay? So there's a sense where you show him respect. You set him apart as different, and he is unique, and treating him as so with that, okay? So you extol him. You lift him up, okay? Um, and by the way, it says, hollow be your name, okay? Uh, hollow be your name. Let me ask you guys a question. Uh, any of you guys feel uncomfortable when anyone butcher your name? I'm just curious. Anyone ever feel uncomfortable? Anyone? Or everyone's, oh, you guys are so godly, okay? Uh, okay, you guys are so cool, okay? Okay. Maybe this is how, shows how worldly I am. Uh, I remember my first day in seminary, and seminary is a school to train pastor. My first day, my first semester, my first year ever, I went to this class, and my professor was actually from uh, South Carolina, and he has that accent from South Carolina, right? And then he was taking row, and he was saying, I'm so sorry, I'm from South Carolina, I'm gonna ruin your name, but don't take it any offense. And he said some funny Southern colloquialism, I was like, I don't know what he was saying, you know, some kind of slang, okay? And then when he got to my name, he was like, Jimmy Lai, right? He's like, Jimmy Lai, where's Jimmy Lai? And I was like, wait, is he calling me? Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm definitely not Jimmy Lai. And then, uh, I, and then I, I just was like, oh, you know, I'll just go with it, right? So I raised my hand, and he's like, he's like, son, you don't know your name, right? He was literally saying this, you don't know your name? And I said, like, oh, no, no, I, I know my name. He's like, oh, are you kind of shy? It's kind of hard to be a preacher and shy. And I was like, whoa, it's like the first day in seminary, this is going on, right? You're, you're being called out. And then I was actually saying, oh, no, it's actually my name is uh, Jimmy Lee. And he's like, oh, okay. And then he made this, and he was asking, what kind of church do you go to, son, right? And so he says, I go to a Truth Chinese Alliance Church. And he made this thing, he's like, oh, okay, that's good. Your last name don't mean lie, because why? That would be kind of funny to be called Pastor Lai, Pastor of Truth Chinese Alliance Church, okay? All that is to say, like, our names is very important. So ever since then, like, the name Lai, you know, when people mispronounce Lee, L-I, um, as lie, like, even more sensitive than ever before, because I was like, now as pastors, like, oh, I don't want people to think I just go for lies and just out to con people's money or anything like that, okay? So here we see, we want it, even our names, when someone make fun of our names, we don't take it well and all of that. How much more so of God's name, being how holy that He is, okay? So, hollow be your name. And name often is standing for the whole person. And yet we want to show respect to God also as well with that, okay? Um, and sometimes when I share Jesus with those that don't know anything about God, and sometimes, you know, I say, hey, you know one of the things that people sin uh, is people use His name in vain, right? You guys know what I mean by using His name in vain? Is they say, like, instead of saying some other four-letter dirty word, cuss word, um, they say things like O-M-G, Okay? Or they say, Jesus, fill in the blank, okay? And then sometimes people say, like, what's a big deal? Why is that a big deal? Why does the Bible say using His name in vain? And I think the analogy I like to always draw is this. Could you imagine if you're walking around, if you're walking around, 
and I don't really know you. And then out of nowhere, let's just say I'll give an example of, uh, I'm gonna pick someone to say, like Vicar. Like I just accidentally walk down the stairs and I fall and I drop all my book and I get mad and I say, Victor Chen. Victor Chen will be kind of like, oh, would I ever what? What would Victor Chen do? He'll be like, dude, what I had to do with anything with that, right? How much, actually let's even go a little further, okay? What if I, I, I drop everything and I look at you and I say, your mom, right? By the way, if you're in the wrong place in the wrong time, with certain people, when you make fun of people's mom, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? You might even be hurt, okay? That's like someone's mom, right? That's someone who gave the, you life and everything else. Why would you disrespect my mom? That kind of, how much more so if it's God, okay? How much more so if it's God who is sinless, unlike our moms, and yet loves us and takes care of and gives us all these grace and everything, and we don't want to use His name in vain. So we want to pray with this respect that we say, Hallow be your name, okay? Let's go on. Uh, within this verse also as well, it goes on to next phrase. Uh, where it says, your kingdom come, okay? Uh, your, here is referring to God the Father. Remember Jesus, while He is God, in His humanity, being uh, in His human part, He's teaching us how to pray to God the Father, okay? And we're saying, hey, first thing off the bat, before we ask anything, we pray your kingdom come, which asks the question, what does the kingdom mean? I think the kingdom of God refers to uh, things God's working, okay? There's a sense where kingdom of God is not yet future, Okay? Uh, by the way, I think that's important to realize. The kingdom of God, there's a sense it's already here, but there's a sense where it's not already, it's still in the future, okay? Um, even throughout church history, people have confused that, okay? Some people think, oh, the kingdom of God is perfectly here right now. And just like any physical kingdom, if we have a kingdom, then we need to go to war for our country. So in the past, people misunderstood that. They saw some things that's future, right? God f reigning fully. That's still future. But nevertheless, Part of God's kingdom is already here already. If you guys can't turn with me uh, to Luke 22, uh, correction, Luke uh, chapter 10, okay, uh, the chapter before that, Luke chapter 10, verses 9 to 11. Luke chapter 10, verses 9 to 11 says this, But whatever city you enter, and they do not receive you, even the dust of, uh, oh, actually, Okay, uh, even the dust of your city, which clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet, be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near, okay? So in the context here, uh, what's going on is his followers are going around telling people about the love of God. And some people reject it, and his disciples are saying, hey, what should we do when people reject us? Should we, do, like, should we be not nice to them? And Jesus is saying, you know what, it's okay, they reject, but just move on. As you see here in this verse, it says the kingdom of God is already near, Right? It's already here in our midst, okay? But part of the kingdom of God, when we pray for that, is you're basically praying when your kingdom come, we're praying to God saying, hey, I want to do what you want first, okay? I want to do things. We're praying to you first, God, to put you as priority in your name, but also in your plan in the world and plan in, in, in our life also as well, okay? In light of this, um... Uh, I think we pray for the will of God. A few years ago, uh, Jin was with me when I was teaching at Good Time Learning. And like I do with all my Bible study, R is like asking what are prayer requests, right? And this one time someone asked like, oh, I want to be able to ha do no homework and just play games all day, right? And I basically asked, uh, you know, uh, one of the kids pray like, could I have an Xbox where I don't do anything but just play Xbox all day? Now, do you think I pray for that? <laughs> that they have Xbox and don't do anything? No homework and play all day? Um, I think I did pray for them to have an Xbox, but I didn't pray for uh, 
for exactly what they wanted with that, okay? But I asked the analogy, like, okay, what if someone goes up to us and asks, hey, pray that we'll be very successful robbing a bank. Would that be cool? And all the kids laugh, like, no. That goes against God's will, what he says, okay? Same thing also as well when we pray. We want to pray according to God's will, okay? So as application, now we're going to go with application of our first point. Ask yourself this question. When you pray, do you also ask for God's will to be done? Right? Um, there's many things we want, but do you also pray in the end, like, okay, even help me uh, to accept whatever your will is, even if it goes against mine. Is there times you go to God uh, to say for your will to be done? Okay? Uh, second question as application question, do you pray for the things of God? Not just related to immediate needs and want right now but do you even pray for the things of god to be accomplished okay um i encourage i know uh, even last week you're saying like um when things go back to normal um just even going to church prayer meeting is a great time to pray with others about god not just only for our need for others need too as showing love but also as well to pray for god's work just as we do just even right now today right um, today, you guys know is uh, you guys know that today is the national day of uh, prayer. I don't know if you guys know this. Uh, I was really blessed earlier. Um, my father-in-law invited me to uh, his work prayer meeting, or, or is off work. It's lunchtime, but they ha- usually have a work Bible study or lunchtime. So it's not like condoned by the workplace. But then he was just saying, "Hey, could you uh, just teach a short Bible study?" Mrs. Burton was there too. Okay, online. Uh, as we gathered, and it was, I was just so, when I was hearing all these people pray, I was actually really moved. Um, you know, one of the things I love about church is, uh, you guys know I'm a preacher, I have a preacher's mouth, I could talk on and on about Jesus Christ. But at the same time, you know, the thing I love about church the most is it is, actually isn't even myself preaching. Because when I listen to myself preaching audio, right, to improve, I see all these quirks, all my weirdness and all that. I think people that like to hear themselves talk is kind of narcissistic, right, okay? Um, but why, what I really love about the church a lot is actually after church is over, when we gather to pray, to hear God's people pray. Now, that's actually what I love about even visiting other churches, right? To hear people just struggling to make it in, to, and you hear they're trying to still be faithful, to still be loving husbands and fathers, and, and, and trying to love their kids, and trying to share them the love of God. You hear their, their emotions, and you hear their struggles, and, and you feel like, wow, look at this. We can learn something from each other, okay? That's one of the things I love so much about prayer meeting at our church, is, is that half hour of power when we pray for one another. Uh, with that, so I think in light of this, even take advantage of that. Even praying, praying for God's will first. If you struggle praying for God's will, um, all these other join with others. Okay, um, with that. Sometimes church prayer meeting are like if you aren't praying at all, those are nice training wheels. At least it's good to begin somewhere with others. Okay, and also be encouraged by others' prayer also as well, and be moved yourself too. Okay, other application question. Um, Things to pray for in your list and the things you pray for. Um, be, besides praying for people's needs, which we'll talk about, we should pray for that. Um, pray for also missionaries you know and those that do the work of God. Okay? Um, I like praying, for instance, uh, not just necessarily for the pastor too, okay? Uh, but also, for instance, we know there's people in our church that do different things, serving God. Okay? The church is, ne- listen to me, the church is not a one-dog pony show. Okay? You go, church is like you give, I don't know, like, money a little bit and the pastor do his weird dog and pony show she preaches a little and then okay that's it I've done my religious duty the church is all of us the time we serve is as soon as service is over with our last amen that's where we're called to be the church to love others to say hey how are you 
what are you doing? Um, or not what are you doing in a negative way, but like, what's going on in your life? What can I pray for you? That kind of thing, okay? Um, what, and how to encourage them. Not just to tell them what they're wrong, but also to say, hey, what are things to, that you, God has encouraged you this week to encourage others? And among that is also pray, right? There's people in our church that do many things for God that we don't necessarily see on Sundays. If I could highlight some of them, right? Mrs. Burton reaching out to kids. Have you prayed for her? Reaching out to kids, teaching them about God, right? Have you even prayed even Mr. Burton's, for instance, work Bible study, right? That he's leading this at work. Let, that's a good example for us, too. Being a light, being able to say, hey, at lunchtime, we could get together when we're off the clock. We're not, like, making our employer wasting money by us trying to be missionaries, right, in the middle of everything. But just in the time, just in the time, just saying, hey, I'm going to just lead a time of prayer, that kind of thing, okay? Pray for people. Um, also, as well, I encourage you guys, this is a good idea, um, I know some of the churches around me, us, you know, our family, friends, churches, right, our circles, um, they have a prayer support team for their pastor. Pray for that, too. Um, you know, um, I think that's also good, just for me to be wise, gracious, and also biblical, being faithful to God's work and doing that, okay? Let's go to point number two. Uh, point number two, you should pray trusting for your daily needs. Look with me in verses three. Uh, so I don't want to be so spiritual, we only pray the things of God. And we never pray for our daily needs. That's actually not biblical too. In fact, that could sometimes be very prideful to say, oh, I don't need God to help me for anything. Okay, I, other people need help, but I don't. That could also be sometimes a form of pride. And I think there's sometimes people's sense of love, right? You, you care for others, you put others first, right? Um, obviously, there's also the other extreme where you only pray for yourself, where that can sometimes be a symptom of, of being selfish, just all about yourself only, right? But also, I think the other thing when we pray is also pray for our daily needs. It is okay to pray for prayer requests, okay? Um, look at verses 3. It says, give us each day our daily bread, okay? In the Greek, the word our daily bread is emphasized. It actually is moved forward, okay? In the Greek grammar, how they do things, um, back then the Bible does not have highlighters. There's no, it's not like a computer. You could put things in a different font, right? You type things regular time. New Roman, and then to make emphasize on things, what do you do? You make it in bold, you capitalize it, you what? Uh, make the font bigger, you put it in underline and italics, and put it on a different kind of font besides Times New Roman, right? Comical or whatever other uh, cool fonts there is. But back then, when Bible was written, the way you make things um, emphasize is they moved the order of the word, putting whatever's first. And in here in verse 3, the word that's put first is our daily bread. So that's emphasizing we pray. For our daily bread. So the question then we ask is, what is daily bread? Okay. I like how you mentioned the word daily bread instead of daily meat. Okay. Um, I think for most of us, uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, before I got married, this is where, you know, uh, you know, this is where it's a cultural thing, right? Um, my wife asked me before we got married, she asked me the question, do you eat more meat than I do? So my only reference, okay, this is, this is uh, I'm saying this is not a good thing. I'm just saying this is how ignorant I was. Um, the only Anglo families I've ever been with was when I visited the Marines, okay? All these guys, um, when I visited their homes in Louisiana, it was literally we had like like seafood and barbecue every single day. So I thought, in my view, this is how ignorant I am, I thought like people that were Anglos, what they eat every day was like 
hot dogs and burgers and everything. So when my wife asked me before we got married, like, do you eat more meat than I do? I was like, oh, you know, you guys eat more meat than I do. Uh, so don't worry about making too much meat. And my wife's family, they eat a lot more bread, okay? Now, we live in a great age where we, you know, even in this economy where there's meat shortage, we actually eat a lot more meat. Do you guys realize that? Than even most part of the world. You know what? Living in America, we're already 1% of the world, okay? And even 1% than even in history, okay? Um, it, sometimes it dawned on me until, like, you go overseas sometimes and see how other people eat. Like, wow, um, you know, now that the teaching's over, huh, there's no meat in this meal. And after a while, I was like, you get more friends. Like, hey, how come there's no meat? It's like, oh, we don't eat meat every day. I was like, wow, okay. I'm so spoiled. I'm such an American, right? Because if I translated this, right, I would say, give us today our daily meat. But guess what? The word says daily bread, okay? Um, so in light of this, is praying for what we need, not necessarily what we want, okay? There is a distinction between what we need and what we want, okay? I like the Greek word. Um, it means daily. Uh, some version emphasize more, um, is it essential or is it daily? Now, if you read Bible commentaries, this debate about what's the best way. I think the best way to understand that word is daily, um, and I think it emphasized that we rely on Him day by day, okay? Uh, we rely on Him day by day. By the way, like uh, part of the theme we're talking about, right, is we are in a very fortunate part of an economy where we could have storage of food, right? Um, someone that's hungry could still have a whole bunch of hungry mans, right, in their um, processed food inside their freezer, right? But, you know, realize even, in, like, even as we've been praying for certain parts of the world, like India and Nepal, right, where it's like literally, I call it the food-to-mouth economy, right? You work, get a little money, go to the store, get your food for the day. There's not a fancy refrigerator, anything like that, and you're literally eating. And then with this virus, think about how hard, how hard that is. Suddenly the government says no one can go out to buy food at all, like even more extreme lockdown where we're at, and people are literally surviving with what? And then you have officers beating people up with big sticks, and you're like, whoa. I mean... That puts in perspective. It's like, wow, people are actually really hurting in, in, in light of that. So when it says here, our daily need, putting in that agricultural context, when Jesus is saying, pray for our daily need, that day-to-day -day struggle, we pray for that, okay? We pray for that, um, for what we need, not necessarily what we want, okay? Um, here we see the focus is on daily. And that means I think we go day by day trusting in God to pray. Trusting in God. I think in light of this virus thing, I think we should never take it for granted, even our jobs, okay? Each day we get to live another day, we all should be thankful, but even for our employment, okay? Uh, nothing is forever. I realize I love to be, you know, I love to be in this church forever as your pastor, okay? I, I want to be in this church till I retire. I don't know what retirement means, how old. I want to be in this church to marry you guys and bury you guys, okay? Hopefully in that order, okay? But I, in light of all that thing, in light of, and also to be buried by you guys. But as much as I love that, I also know, hey, that doesn't mean I'll be a pastor forever. That doesn't mean I'll be never disqualified or, or, or somehow our church finances doesn't work out and I won't be that. So I think we need to be thankful each day. And how much I think this virus, hopefully it teaches us, even after we leave this season of the virus, to say, wow, I'm thankful, Lord, for, for even this job. And I know for some of us, and I've been praying a lot for you guys' job, and I think you guys know that in different conversation, um, right? I'm praying that you guys will be okay, right? Because it's not just your individual skill set or whatever. It's a bigger picture of the economy that impact different companies and therefore each individually us. So here we pray. Let us pray even for daily bread, okay? 
Let us be prayerful even for each day we do have work and employment. And even pray for us even when there is no employment for God's grace and all of that, okay? So here it says, pray, for, give us, okay? Uh, again, this is uh, the verb there is emphasizing constantly, okay? Uh, with that. So be thankful, okay? I know sometimes work, um, I know that some of you guys have very difficult jobs. I do realize that and I do pray for you guys, okay? So I don't want to minimize it. Everything I say is not minimizing that at all. I hope you guys know me enough. Um, but sometimes in the midst of a lot of things, I think even with our trials, I think sometimes it's important to take a step back and say, man, um, things are hard, but just, wow, I'm thankful, Lord, that you've given me this opportunity. I realize not all of our jobs are necessarily equal. Just like in this time, right? Some people's job, you might be reduced hours. And then some people's jobs, like, wow, it's overtime times two, right? Because it's considered essential in, the, um, in relation to other um, needs of, of of society, that kind of thing, okay? I don't want to get into economics of that too much, but in light of all this, at the same time, even when there's a case with that, I think it's important to say, wow, um, thank you, God, that I'm able to be able to serve others and contribute uh, with that and even be able to make a living for my daily needs, okay? So pray for our daily needs and pray also as well as application even for the uh, daily needs of others, okay? Um, for myself, uh, in light of all this, I've actually been praying more for even my job. I always just kind of assume in my mind, sinfully, like, oh, you know, ne- next week I'll still be working the same job, but whatever. But it made me to actually pray more, like, Lord, give me my daily bread, but also, Lord, let me do well what I do uh, also as well. Second application question in light of this, pray for whatever you do. Believe that everything you do, even work and sc- or even school assignments, some of you guys are still in school, is all for Him, okay, uh, with that. Third application, more than that, pray that you, your, what you need is fulfilled and not what you want. I love my three little daughters, and it's always a lesson for me what the difference between need and want, okay? My girls could sometimes come and say, I need this. But when you really think about it for a moment, it's like, actually, you want that, okay? Not, nothing wrong in itself, wanting it. But that is not what you need, right? So there is that. But then that, we, just when we're teaching that, I'm being convicted and saying, hey, you know what? I, as an adult, as a parent, I'm like that too with God, right? And my prayer is thinking, I need this when it's really all I want. But thank, praying to God for your daily needs also as well, okay? With that. And what ultimately in the end we need is actually God. God and also the relations that we have is probably, you know, second thing. That is what is most essential or meaningful, okay? So let us now go to the third point. Uh, so with looking at the uh, third point is you should pray concerning sin, okay? You should pray concerning sin. This is in verses 4. Actually, if you look at verses 4, verses 4 is kind of long in this verse, and it's focusing on sin. So many times in our prayer, we could often just pray for all our needs and wants and everything else, um, but here, notice there's a prayer that Jesus wants us to have a right relationship with God. And just like any relationship, if we've done things wrong, we need to what? Confess it, apologize it uh, for it, okay? So look at with me in verses 4 where it teaches us you should pray concerning sin. Verse 4, And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. I think some foundations to, uh, to consider. Uh, outside of this verse, I think Jesus is assuming certain things you already know about God that the, Bible, the rest of the Bible teach. For instance, the Bible teach all of us are sinful, okay? 
All of us are sinful. Yes, that includes me, the pastor, okay? How do I know the pastor's sinful? Because I live with myself, and I know in my heart I'm a sinner, okay? Uh, how do I know I'm a sinner? I have a wife. When I ask her, am I a sinner? She says, yes, okay? So we know we're all sinful, okay? We all have broken God's law, okay? Um, the Bible also says that sin separates us from God, okay? Sin separates us from God. When, for instance, when you're in a heavy season of sin, you probably don't want to talk about things of God or think about things of God. It kind of feels kind of convicted, right? You feel, oh, guilt conscience, you know, even maybe even shameful uh, in light of that, okay? So the Bible teaches that we're all sinful, right? Um, we are, sin separates us from God. So it's in this context that Jesus really wants us, our prayers, a relationship with God, and we have to deal with the issue of sin. And therefore, this verse, Jesus is driving us to confess our sins to God, okay? To confess our sins to God. This verse touches on sin in the present, the past, and the future. The present, the past, and the future. If you look at this verse, verse 4, it says, and Forgive us our sins. I think this is talking about present sins, sins that we have as an ongoing reality. And you're asking God to forgive us for that. Then it also talks about sin from the past. It says, For we ourselves also forgive everyone who's in debt to us. Okay, Now it's talking about sin in the past, specifically sins that people have done against us. Um, forgiving others is hard, true or not? Yes? Raise your hand if you're forgiving others is hard. I'm going to be the first one to raise my hand, okay? Because it's hard. I don't know if you guys have this. You sit there and say, I'll forgive them. But if I spend 30 minutes sitting there, I say, oh, I'm going to forgive that person. 30 minutes later, I am even less forgiving, right? You guys ever have this? You sit there 30 minutes, do not be angry. Do not be angry, do not be angry. Guess what happened 30 minutes later? You're even more angry, right? Suddenly there's a dragging within that you did not even know that you, that you had that needed to be slayed, okay? So I think that's a show, not that God's law is bad, but God's law sometimes shows our sinfulness. That when we see, just the same thing like my daughters, right? When I say, hey, don't walk across the street without holding hands. What do they do? Like, oh, like don't cross the street, don't cross the street. And what do they do? Slowly inch their feet over, pass it into the sidewalk, into the street, okay? That's our sinful nature, right? We like to see there's a rule and say, you know, like for instance, if, you know, same thing. When we say, don't think this dot, we think right, right away. Nothing wrong with the law, but it's with our sinfulness. So notice here, when we forgive others, it's based upon what? God forgiving us. In the present is why we forgive others. And we're dealing about sin in the past. As it says, forgive, um, um, as, forgive our, uh, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who's in debt to us. And then it also focuses on sin in the future. If we know that God is gracious in forgiving us, should that be, should, should we say, oh, God's going to forgive our sins anyway, so we might as well just do whatever we want. Is that a right way to think about our sin? In God's forgiveness? I would say no. But if you understand that Christ loved us so much, He died for you, for everything you've done, that should move you to say, I want to go away from something that actually is so poisonous that actually killed my Lord and Savior, right? So in light of this, we also should pray for our sins in the future by praying that it does not happen, that we could fight our temptation. As it says here, in the future it says, and lead us not into what? Temptation, Okay. Apparently, sin is so awful that we want to pray that we don't want to even fall into it in the future, okay? Because we love Him, we don't want to what? Not please Him or, or, or displease Him, and that's why we pray for this, okay? By the way, I think this is important to pray for this, okay? In looking at all these three points, I think we should ask the question, which one is your strength and which one is your weakness, okay? 
Um, some of us pray for others very well. Praise the Lord, okay? Some of us, even when we pray for others really well, maybe we don't pray for our daily needs as much as we can. Or some of us might be like we never go to God to pray for our forgiveness of our sin. While some of us always are so guilt-ridden, we need to remember that Christ really died for us. He really wants to forgive us. And we need to go to Him and for, ask for forgiveness, yes, but also pray to Him. After you have a relationship, He's forgiven you. Then say, okay, don't just say, oh, thank you for forgiving me, and move on. Like He's just some cold accountant. God is not just a cold accountant. But then say, okay, now you could go to Him with your prayer requests. He wants to hear from you, and He wants to answer your prayer requests according to His will. So in the same way, I think we ask a question among these three things, what is your strength and what is your weakness? But I would also want to say among these three things, every one of each of them is important, but we also need to really go to God and pray to God to forgive our sins, okay? Um, some of you guys know I live in Pasadena. I live not too far from where some of you guys go called Eden Canyon, uh, which is like a little pathway. Uh, a few years ago, it was on a news story. I don't know how this works out. I don't know how this even happened because to me, it's such a simple path. How could anyone ever be lost and stuck and stranded? But a few years ago, apparently these guys wandered up into the mountain. They went off trail. They went to some, climbed some boulders, and somehow they got stuck. Now, when you guys go to Eden Canyon, is there a good cell phone reception? What do you guys think? No. So they were actually stuck there. For, I don't know how this is even possible, but it happens, right? Anything, all things are possible. Not only because of Christ who strengthened them, but also because of our folly, okay? All things are possible because of our folly. Apparently they're stuck in the mountain, and they were trying to call on their phone to try to call for help. They were actually calling 911. And eventually, one of the guys' phone, right when it was barely dying, was able to pick up 911 and they called. And if you guys know, the Sheriff's Department actually has a helicopter and a team uh, dedicated to search and rescue, urban search and rescue a mountain. So they went in over there, um, they call them Hilo Team 5, and they went over there and rescued them. And you know what was interesting? Uh, so when they picked them up, obviously they're asking, who are you? Looking through their ID and stuff like that. Uh, so their request, what they wanted help, was answered. But you know what's interesting? When they asked who were they, they actually decided to look them up. And they discover, I think one or, I don't remember the details now, one or two of them actually has a warrant out for them, right? They have a warrant out for them. Now, did the sheriff's deputy, were they nice enough to still rescue them away from the mountain? Yeah, you can say like, oh, they're pretty gracious, they answered. But there's still a bigger issue that they have is what? They've actually broken the law, okay? Same thing, if God is holy and good and is also still a righteous judge, yeah, He might answer our prayer requests. But we also, there's an elephant in the room do, we have, do we not? Of our sin. We could be the same thing. We ask, Lord God, give me a job. Bam, God gives you a job. And, but yet we still have sin unaccounted for. And then we think we're okay, but really we have this bigger issue that we've sinned against God daily. I know I sin daily, and we've sinned against Him daily. And sometimes we think, oh, you know, that's cool in the past. But just like any ticket we get, if you don't pay the penalty, what happens, what happens if you get a car ticket for speeding? And you say, oh, it's no big deal. I'll throw it away. Maybe in the past we'll atone for it. What happened to that fine? Does it go away? No, it goes what? Higher. Okay. Because it's undealt with. And while we have that one sin, we have many sins. That's the bad news. But you know what? This is the good news. God loves you very much. God loves us very much. What did God has done to show us love in light of our biggest problem is our sin with God? Is He sent Jesus Christ. God the Father has sent Jesus Christ to be on earth, to be born in a, as a baby in a manger, 
to grow up, to be faced with all the onslaught of Satan trying to tempt him. Because Satan wants Jesus to fail. Jesus, Satan wants him to fail so that we would not be saved. But he lived a perfect life up to the age of 33. And he went on the cross to take the death penalty for us. Dying on the cross to show this great love for us by saving us from our sins. My brothers and sisters, we should pray for others. We should continue to pray for our requests. But don't miss what Jesus wants us to do is also to have our sins dealt with. And He has dealt with that sin Himself. He's dealt with that sin Himself by dying on the cross for Him. You know, praying is kind of hard. You guys agree? I feel it's kind of hard to pray. But the part that always moves me to pray the most is actually thinking about God's grace. That He actually wants to forgive me. And once I go to Him to ask for forgiveness, then I move on that sweet fellowship. Oh, He's forgiven me. Then it makes it so much easier to say, Oh, you know what? Now I can pray for my needs. Now I can pray for others. Now I can walk in the middle of the night in the road just praying to God like, Praise God! And, and also pray, Lord God, please help this brother with this circumstance. Please help this brother with his career. Please help this brother with this that he's dealing with. Please help with this family member, with this finance, uh, health, uh, mental issues, or whatever else it is. It's because of the grace of God that drives me to say, wow, I can go before Him and not only pray to Him in a relationship, but also to pray on behalf of others also as well. Okay, let me stop you at this point. Is there any questions?